Welcome to On Meaning. I'm Eugene Leventhal. In this week's episode, I got to speak to Dr. Paul Wong, who originated Meaning-Centered Counseling and Therapy, which itself is an integrative, existential, and positive approach towards counseling, coaching, and psychotherapy. Dr. Wong is a professor emeritus of Trent University and the founding president of the Meaning-Centered Counseling Institute, as well as the president of the International Network on Personal Meaning. We started our conversation looking at why Paul Wong went down the path that he did career-wise, what was it around meaning-centered therapies that spoke to him, his introduction to logotherapy and some of Viktor Frankl's work, as well as sort of a general exploration of existential therapy and positive psychology to kind of understand where his school of thought lands exactly. We also got to cover some of his particular approaches or frameworks, such as the pure model, and generally speaking about topics such as faith and spirituality as it relates to meaning, as well as just looking at certain aspects of mental health, especially depression and anxiety, not as a sign of something being broken, but just as natural formations of the struggle that we end up dealing with throughout the course of our lives. And I really appreciated that positive reframing around what so many can look at and feel as though what they're experiencing is because of some flaw or some problem as opposed to just being a natural consequence of life and, and existence. So without further ado, here is the interview with Paul Wong. All right. Well, Dr. Wong, thank you for joining us today. And just to begin, do you mind just mentioning your name and professional title? My name is Paul T.P. Wong. Uh, right now, I'm a professor emeritus of Trent University. I'm also the president of my own counseling service. And the podcast overall is starting with an exploration of existential psychotherapy. I had a chance to speak to McCooper recently on the topic, uh, who will be the first interviewee or the first guest, excuse me. Uh, and Overall, I want to explore different of views and approaches towards finding and refining meaning in life. And I know Viktor Frankl's work, if I'm not mistaken, was influential for you. So I want to start off in exploring kind of what was it that drew you to Viktor Frankl and logotherapy in the first place? I like Frankl because he is he asked the same kind of question that I have been asking. That is how can we live? How can we have a meaningful and happy life when life is so hard, when life is full of suffering and death? That's a question he posed for himself. That reality of death and that reality of suffering. Now, especially when horrible things happen, as that's when the Jewish people were run up and sent to concentration camp and to suffer untold, unimaginable ordeals, being forced to do hard labor and not enough food, and then, and then they were sent to get chamber. So under that kind of condition, how can we live as decent human beings? Rather than succumb to the level of animals begging for mercy, as fighting over crumbs of bread. So throughout his struggle, he discovered something very simple and very important. The tenet of logotherapy is a three. First, you have the freedom of will. And that, that, that you have freedom of choice between slowness and response. That is the middle part where you say, when well, are you, you choose to be a human being or choose to be a monster? Whether you choose to do the right thing or betray your friend to save your life. I mean, at every turn, you have a choice of doing the right thing or doing horrible thing, make you feel like trash, like a, like a, like a monster, in order to survive or get promoted or whatever. So the first, the first rule of tenant is that you are responsible for the choices you make in life. 
your destiny, your future depend on making the right choice or the wrong choice. It's worth one. The second point I raise is that now you have freedom of choice, but that choice has to be a responsible one. Okay. Now, when we start life, there are all kinds of options lying before you. So you ask yourself, what's the best way to go from A to B? What's the best way to live a good life? Because you only have limited time on Earth. So what's the best way to choose so that at the end of the day, at the end of the life, I will not have regrets. I will not have regrets. Oh, I wish I had done that. I wish I had done that. So you are not free. You don't. You not only have the freedom of choice, but you also have the pressure of making the right choice. And what path will be the you know, what your terminal value, and what what is the core value that you only live by. You know, so that is it. Your know, crux. That is a the meaning of that question, right? How should I live? How do I ought to live? Mm-hmm. And, and what is the right choice for me? So that I, at the end of my, my, my journey, I feel fulfilled, feel productive, and so I die happy. So that's that, that the question. So he is saying that you not only have the freedom of choice, Freedom of will, but the same thing is that if you listen to your heart, if you look deep into your soul, you'll know that your life is about finding who you really are, finding your true calling. That is life all about. An apple tree, an apple tree produces apple, orange, orange tree produces orange. A bird must fly, a fish must swim, a human being must choose meaning. Do something that that you become what you are meant to be. So this is theology, right? We all well well born for some purpose, for some unique purpose. That made me feel unique. That made me feel worthwhile because I was born with a particular calling. For example, for myself, I tried to be a writer, I failed. I tried to be a musician, I failed. I tried to be a painter, I failed. But that, that's not my calling. But for the kind of psychology, I succeeded. And wow, that. That's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. My, my life is to be a psychologist. Yeah. So I, you will not be happy unless, until you find your true self, you find your true calling. I mean, that, that, that finding, seeking your calling is it, a, it's, it's a difficult task. But you have to do 20 different things until you find your calling, you will not be happy because you do anything other than what it should be, you not you will not be happy, but that's not you. That's not your life. Okay. So the second point very important to me is I mean we need to find your calling, your, your meaning. To him, meaning is not just what I want for myself. So yeah. that the meaning is something that worth dying for. Find something that was while that was suffering for, was dying for. So, so that is that's why meaning is always oriented towards something outside ourselves. That's why the most miserable people are the self-obsessed people. If they always think about what can I get, how can I be rich, I me, 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 then they are doomed to a life of misery. Yeah. The, the most miserable people are the most selfish people. So meaning simply means that how can I 
use my gift to serve humanity, to serve others. So that is meaning flashing, okay? Meaning flashing is that, what's my calling? What's my gift? How can I use my gift to serve others? And the, the, the last point is that his, his ten, basic tenet of local therapy is that there's meaning in life anywhere, any situation. You can have meaning right to the last minute of your life. In other words, while you're suffering, while you're old, while you're dying in hospital, you all can always have meaning. Okay? So that is the basic satanic. So, so that, that approach really appealed to me because that's what I'm struggling with. Yeah, and I know I can empathize. Kind of what got me interested in this whole journey in the first place is very much that ever since I was uh, a young kid growing into my teenage years, I've been struggling with anxiety and depression and always fall into existential questioning of well, what am I doing all of this for? Why college? Why these jobs? And one thing that's so appealing of... Uh, of these general schools, you know, from logotherapy to your meaning-centered therapy to other schools of existential therapy is the the immense positivity that seems at the core of it. The, the whole idea that we are unique, we do all have something to offer and something as, you know, depression and anxiety, of course, they have a neurochemical component, but just because you're depressed doesn't mean you're a broken, depressed person. It means you might not just be fulfilling your meaning. And so you need to, to get out there. Is that sort of in line with how you see things, especially from the, the meaning-centered uh, therapy approach? Let me tell you the truth, okay? All people experience depression, anxiety, sometime in their lives, okay? I feel depressed if I have my paper got rejected or my grant proposal got rejected. Yeah. I feel depressed if my, if my wife is going to leave me, okay? I feel sad when my parents die. So depression and anxiety are normal human experience. So that's why I, I tell my clients, that, don't pay attention to label. Label doesn't mean very much, okay? Label for insurance company, <laughs> for insurance company, uh, for medical uh, profession, but we, we try tend to, you know, turn every normal human experience into the medical 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 sickness. We're all broken in somewhere. We all struggle with our personal personal demons. We all have moments of sadness, depression. They're normal. They're normal. But the key is that how do you respond to your undesirable and pleasant feelings. So I always say that you, you always choice and you should talk choice again. I can send you speaking of choice. Do you want to stay in that way? Being depressed, being anxious for the rest of your life? Or do you want to get out of it and move on? So again, that means choice. If they say, I want to move on, I, I, good. Then we we'll work together, work together, so you can find your way out stronger and better. Mm -hmm. so, so depression, anxiety, a normal human experience. You know, the, the, and the others, whatever negative thing we feel, okay, whatever depression, we always had a positive thing to, to overcome. The part thing is that we, we all have this uh, the God-given ability of, of, of biologically wired, well, your brain is wired to cope with all the things that happen to us, okay? But for example, uh, my, my friend David, David, uh, David Backen, uh, who wrote a book about the duality of human experience. You know, you, you know, what do you know about him? I've read the name. I honestly haven't read his work. Back and, and he's a professor. He, he and I used to be professor at York, too, which discusses a lot about human experience. Okay? So he's in the, he wrote a very famous book called The Duality of Human Experience, Agency and Communion. Okay? Agency and Communion. But it's actually more than that because he's talking about psychology and religion. He's, he's interested in 
of human agency and communion allow us to understand the supernatural, the providence, mm. and the, the God, and predestination. So, so basically, human experience has three parts, with speciality at the top, and agency, and communion, so it's a golden triad, the golden triad, okay? Now, you must think about that. Agency, communion, and triad. In North America, we focus on agency, oh, yeah. right? Advocacy, what you can do. We don't care about other people. We don't say, oh, you don't have to, you must belong to a group. You know, the adler would say, well, you're not happy, I let you belong to a group. Uh, Franco also agrees saying that uh, you can't go through life alone. You, you, you need a companion, you need together. A, a, a burden shared, a burden is burdenless, is yeah. a lesser burden. A joy, a happiness that's shared with other people, the happiness multiplied. So we have this communion, community. From my continuing point of view, we have agency, we have community. And then, there's also this mysterious cosmos that there must be a, a higher power to make all the galaxies, all the stars, they go around that way mm -hmm. in order. There, there must be a mysterious some. So that's why down through history, every culture, every tribe, they all worship something that greater themselves. Okay? Yeah. In China, the sky god, you know, the sky. The sky god. Our ancestors, ancestors, when they die, they become a spirit. So, as, so a life is complete when you have, when you're facing in, in something high power, when you are belonging to a group, close friends and loved ones, when able to do something with your life and achieve something. So, when these three things are fulfilled, you'll be happy. You mean in life means making use of the God-given capacities, faith, agency, and love, meaning love and faith. There's the golden triangle or golden triad. Yeah. With these three things, then you can come back all the negative stuff. So that's why I call extended positive psychology because for every positive, there's negative. For every negative, it's positive. So Franco is saying that, yes, life is suffering, life is meaning, but there's other stuff to overcome that. For death, then, actually death is the best part. Mozart says that death is the key to happiness. Mozart died very young, the awareness of death is a key to true happiness. You know why? Because I have limited days to live, limited. So I might make the best of it. Then you feel good, you feel happy to be able to make full use of your talents and your gifts. You feel happy. That's happiness. Being able to make use of a gift to glorify God or people, the agency. And to follow up to that, to the to the three parts that you were just mentioning with the the faith or spirituality, the triad, the faith or spirituality, the agency, the community, just to make sure when you say the faith side, does that necessarily mean faith in a traditional religious structure or is it just faith in the inexplicable and there's some kind of order? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Religion is part of, it's organized, okay? But there are people who are not religious, but they still... I don't believe. They believe in cosmos, believe in nature, believe in humanity. They believe in some, some mysterious power that gives them a sense of awe, a sense of worship. So you have to be able to, especially when people near the death, when the real world receives the background, they'll be interested in, in a, a transcendent value, the, the, the spiritual realm. Because uh, the invisible reality might be more real than the visible reality. The visible reality is just part of it. 
because our, our five senses are limited. There, there is huge reality out there that's invisible. So, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's not limited to religion. You can be, actually, there's no atheists. They see the atheists, but, but their own behavior, but their own behavior, but they're talking, mm-hmm. uh, they do something there. Yeah. They're up there, there, there's something there they don't know. Mm-hmm. So scientifically, they cannot prove there's no God. In fact, there's more proof, there's more reasonable, more rational to believe there's a higher power than believe that everything happening by chance. Yeah. So, strictly speaking, there's no real atheists because people say there's no atheists in the foxhole. When a soldier is fighting in his uncle, bullets flying over the head, oh, God, protect me. I want to go see my mom. I want to go see my kid. Yeah. Did it naturally pray? It's a, it's a natural human response, let's say. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, the whole idea of there are no atheists in foxholes. And when push comes to shove in life, everyone wants to believe that someone has their back, whether that's a literal God in the sky or just some greater force that can can look out for them. But that's the important problem. I know how. Then you'll be less anxious, less depressed. Yeah. Well, someone will, will come to my rescue. Yeah. The great rescuer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And before we actually, I have, a, I have a bunch of follow-ups on meaning, but we've already mentioned a few sort of schools, and I just want to spend a few minutes kind of uh, explaining to the listeners what some of the differences are. So you already gave kind of three of the basic tenets of logotherapy, which was specifically developed by Viktor Frankl. I believe he was already working on that before he went to the yeah, concentration yeah. camps, but it really solidified once he was, and he spent time across four concentration camps. But anyway, so that was his school. But from his school, there have been various branches from meaning-centered therapy to positive exi- or existential positive therapy, excuse me. And I know on the existential positive psychology, uh, you definitely kind of provided some advances which effectively established some of these disciplines. So how do you differentiate something like uh, logotherapy from existential positive, uh, positive psychology? Logotherapy actually is the... Is the predecessor, is the father of existential positive psychology. Because the idea that the, everything positive in life comes from negative, okay? You, you have no suffering, you, you have no way to grow, no way to learn meaning. So all the good things in life had to come from the context of human suffering, okay? So that, that's existential positive, okay? But I'm different from, from Franco is that I expanded, I can, I can explain to you more, but I also believe in more research to, to understand the process. For example, I developed the, the dual model, you know, dual process model. The, the negative part, the positive part. So I developed models that to achieve well-being, the human mind must be able to achieve a balance between two opposite forces. So that is, is testable, okay? And if there's no balance, then they will not be able to achieve well-being. Mm-hmm. So I try to, try, try to reformulate Frank's ideas into psychological terms to make that testable. For example, Frankl's idea of self-transcendence, you know, I developed it into, uh, into a self-transcendence model where we're, we're doing my research now to test it, okay? So the, the main difference between Frankl and I is uh, I'm more experimentally oriented and also I'm more inclusive. Okay, I don't want to be pure Frankl or pure anything because knowledge is integrative, okay? So I incorporate past psychology, I incorporate narrative therapy, I incorporate cognitive behavior therapy. So I am more willing to incorporate everything, but little therapy would not want to do that. They say, well, only Franco and nothing else. So therefore, some of them, some of the fundamentalists do not like me very much because they say, they say that I, I pollute. <laughs> It's I, give it from, I give it from the dogma. 
so that you even talk about, so I'm bad guy, I do even talk about. But, but, but I don't understand what people are listening to me now. So if you let's say, Paul, Paul one makes better sense, okay? Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it, it's one person at the corner of the truth. The truth comes from different sides, different perspectives. Absolutely. Yeah. And to, to follow up on something that you, you've kind of uh, mentioned a, a few times and to, to dig into that a little deeper. So when it comes to uh, a person having the idea of, oh, you know, X is my meaning in life. Okay. Do you see that as being a static thing throughout a person's existence? Or how does that relationship between a person and their meaning look like? Okay. Now, that's a good question. Now, let me put it this way. Meaning varies from person to person. Meaning varies from different stages of life. For example, in every stage of life, we have life projects. And Erickson talked about Every stage, there's a, there's, it's a life task you have to overcome. Yeah. So what is meaningful to you at one stage of life might be different. For example, nowadays, people live up to 100 years. Okay? In their lifespan, they might have three or four different, different careers. Mm-hmm. There's many people start off uh, doing computer science and being very successful, very rich. And they accomplish their goals. They say, now I want to do something different. I want to be an artist, or I want to spend the rest of my life to be a writer, or whatever. So people, people do change their, their meaning, okay? But, okay? but here's a but. No matter how you change, your calling will be the same. Your calling is still the same. My calling will be to serve humanity. Or serve God. So your, your, your overarching goal in life can change. Your project may change. But your orientation, your, your life direction, your life direction is the same. So it's within a person at different stages. Likewise, different people might have different meanings. Now, what, what you mean in life? What makes you tick? And what What's your passion? Say, oh, my passion is to play violin. Okay, I want to lose myself in music. Okay, what's your, what's your meaning? My meaning is to do oh, anything. Even though the, every person is different, but basically they are all the same. They are the same criterion. What I call pure. Uh, pure means purpose. Understanding, vulnerability, and enjoyment. Then I turn to you. Regardless of what you choose to do, you will experience meaning. Your life, if meaningful, will characterize, characterize by these four things. P purpose means that, oh, you, you want to be this, you want to be that. That means you found, you found your life purpose. See? You, you have discovered your life goal. You, your life goal changes, you know, but still you have a life goal. You have one life goal that's more important than the other goal. You choose something, that's why it takes different people to make this world go around because I would not like to, I would not like to, some, something I would not like to do, but the other people want to do it. So you might have a different goal, but still, this is a goal that's so important to you, you're willing to sacrifice, or you're willing to die for it. That's your life goal. You, you like what's you, you like purpose. So that's what, if you have no purpose, no reason to live, you kill yourself, you'll be, you'll be, you commit suicide. You know, that's why there's, there's a correlation, there's a negative correlation between reason for living skill and suicide. You have no reason for living when sin gets tough. You end your life. The only way you can keep going is because there's something you want to do. The only way you can get it done is by continuing to live, no matter how hard life is. If you live hard, oh, 
Okay, Bob, that means you don't have a worthwhile purpose. If you have a important purpose, you'll say, I'll die for my purpose. But I will, I will not die because it's too, too difficult. You die for a purpose, you still accomplish, you, you might accomplish more fulfilling your goal by dying for it. But to give up, that's no, no. You will not give up with your purpose. So that's why purpose implies that, that the purpose has existing value, it, it, it has to matter a great deal for you. You give up everything to pursue it. So that is for criterion to live a meaningful life, okay? Ah means understanding, making sense. Now, we know that human beings are storytellers. You are storytellers. You are, you are now <laughs> a poker to tell stories, right? Yeah. And everybody interested in a good story. The movie is about stories, okay? No folks about stories. You have a story, I have a story, we all have a story. You know what story for? Story is our way to make meaning of isolated events. Because our experience are all based in pieces. For some of keep come home. Now how does school stop? This is stuff. Stuff happening. That doesn't tell you very much. Well, tell me what happened. Then tell me make up stories. Say this happened. Then. So you come home from work. Your wife say, "How you work?" So you have to make up some kind of story. Okay. Oh, this terrible boss. Oh, this terrible holiday. It's his dad. So we all make sense of our life for ourselves, for for other people by telling ourselves, telling other people. A story or narrative. Okay? Narrative. That's how we make sense of our experience. Our experience all fragmented, isolated. Okay? So, so the brain cannot take it because the two parts, you had to, your four brain had to, your four brain and right brain had to work together, fill a gap with imagination for every case. Create a coherent story. That's why some people call the understanding part called that coherence. Your life is more meaningful if your life is coherent to you. Coherent can all connect together, move towards something. So, and your life makes sense to understanding. Not responsibility is the key. Where I'm, I feel sad that many of the positive psychology, you know, I'm the only one that emphasized R. I mean, oh, no, no, I'm not the only one. Uh, Franco emphasized that. And Chris uh, Allen's name is, uh, Jack's name, uh, Jordan Peterson. He said, meaning equal to R, equal to ability. He also emphasized ability. I'm also emphasizing ability. You know why? Let, let me give you an, a, a, a a, 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 a simple thought experiment. Robert Nusak had a famous thought experiment. Uh, your choice. You hook, hook up to a machine, experience all the things in life, being a, become a famous rock star, and this and all the things you want to do in life, just through stimulating the right part of the brain. You can experience virtually without any effort. The other alternative is struggle on your own to achieve all that. Guess what? Most people choose to do it on their own. Okay? Now, give me an example. It can be thought experience. That can be real experience is that you choose to be a super rich kid with powerful rich family will give you everything you want in life without you lift a little finger. I went, uh, I went to a, a, the most expensive car, boom, the car to the door. Uh, I went to uh, be a famous movie star, boom, I went for you to be a movie star. I went to be famous, oh, they, they, they approach you all kind of people to cheer you. Now, 
Do you want do you want a rich parent get anything for you without an effort? Or do you choose choose to do yourself? Uh, what do you want? Do you want, <laughs> do you want a rich dad that will give you everything you want? Will you struggle? Do you want that? Well, of course, in theory, it sounds the idea of uh, you having a desire and that desire just materializing sounds lovely. But I know in my own experience, the things that are most meaningful and give me the most fulfillment are the ones that I've had to put in the most work and energy why, towards. Why? 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 Because I think that inevitably forces me to think through and develop that meaning in the process of doing that action as opposed to, oh, I'm going to have fun racing cars, so I want a fast car. <laughs> it appears I didn't do any work for that. Uh, okay. <laughs> what I'm getting at is, I'm important because if everybody's given to you, you're deprived. That's why they for super rich kids. The highest thing of depression anxiety, addiction, self-mutilation, violence, horrible. Because if everything given to you, you don't have your own life. You have no identity. Who are you? I don't meet where I am by my parents. Well, that's insult. You feel insulting, right? Why are you so, so, so rich and famous? My parents make me so. You feel like shit. That's trash. Yeah. Not in a human being. Mm-hmm. The idea is that agency means self-efficacy. That I, I have something to do with my life. I am the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my ship. The idea nobility means I send ownership of your own life. Not without that. You cannot have some meaning. Because you, you will know the ability that your life is not your own. Yeah. Yeah, no, the the responsibility and the the role yeah. that it plays is yeah, is, is yeah. so clearly key and and what you're saying and kind of holding yourself accountable for that ownership yeah, and that relationship. That, that's why I don't understand why not vulnerability become a bad word. Because vulnerability means Blame the victim. Uh, the government should do this for you. The government should do that for you. The government does everything for you. It seems like a big rich daddy does everything for you. That take your life away. Basically, you do, you do, you do not own your own life. So the budget is still important. Yes, government needs to provide opportunity. But still, it's up to you. So that's why Carl Jung said that every person must work with his own plow. In his block, okay? That means how rusty the plow is, you have to work with your own plow to, to produce something. So that's a key R. You do to yourself. You do go through the struggle. You do not have sense of satisfaction means. You do not overcome. You cannot grow. How are you grow your muscle, grow your ability, grow your intelligence, if everything is done for you? I tell parents, the worst you can do for your children is doing everything for them. You deprive them the opportunities to grow, yeah. to develop resilience, develop a sense of competency, a sense of pride in themselves. They feel bad. They feel bad about themselves. But they have no confidence. So that's the important now. Purpose, understanding, and ability to last my year. Enjoyment, happiness, mature happiness. If you striving towards the purpose, you hold yourself responsible to make progress every day, you understand what you're doing, what really matters, you know who you are, then to yourself that you feel good about yourself. I feel that I'm a decent human being because I use my gift to help other people. I feel that I have a vision of life because every day I improve I improve myself every day. I learn something every day. I do for what I can with, with my limitation. So I have clear conscience. I feel good about myself. I feel myself like a decent human being. So that's why that my what you do. You often describe by these four things: P-U-R-E. If anything, any element is lacking, then you will not feel good about yourself. 
And just wondering when it comes to to working with people sort of a different, let's just focus on something like a persistent depression and uh, folks who are in, in the, the lower parts of their own kind of cycle of depression and are feeling in this place where, you know, thinking of the overarching purpose, everything is meaningless. I can't figure out anything that'll, uh, that, that kind of sticks to me in terms of purpose, uh, you know, in terms of the, uh, in terms of the responsibility and understanding there, they just don't feel as though they're in the headspace for that. The way I've been thinking about it more, and I would just love to hear your thoughts on this, is that there are certain points where we need to think of, uh, say, uh, evolutionary and biological purpose and meaning, as opposed to more rational and free will and conscious meaning, where I, you know, I love the pure model on the rational and conscious side, but I know when I was in the depths of my own depressive downs, there were some days where, you know, just getting out of bed and showering felt like an accomplishment. And, you know, do you ever see kind of the, the, see the scale of the pure model and the, the way you have to adopt that? You know, like, what happens when you're in those kind of deep lows? Okay. okay. Very good. good question. Good question. Okay. I, I work with many clients. I'm also a Canadian. Okay, with many clients. Yeah. What if, who, who find it even difficult to get out of bed? You know, energies to get out of bed. Okay. We we feel so low, so depressed, low self esteem, hopelessness, helplessness. Okay. So you I, I I say, you feel bad about life. If you are, do you want to stay that way? You know, the, the fact you come to see me means that you won't change, okay? That baseline, okay? You won't change. You may feel tired. You won't change the good. That is a starting point of hope. What will change? That means hope. That means you don't have to be miserable all day for the rest of your life. You want change, vulnerability, right? So now we we'll do the baby step. It's a baby step. You have to to tell me why you want to change. Is there is there any what the motivation for your change? If you don't have a strong motivation to change, you never change. What what is your motivation that you are still alive? That you can kill yourself? Yeah. Is there anything that that keep you alive? You say, I want to, I don't want to my kid feel sad. Or I don't want to disturb my Asian parents. Ah, that hope there. They call local hope. Whatever reason you have to keep you alive, it's the thing that will keep you working towards it, towards improvement. You know, the act means acceptance, acceptance, uh, commitment, therapy, similar level therapy. You accept your miserable condition, but then there's some value. You always value that prevents you from killing yourself. So that value is something to make you, to motivate you to make some changes. So a lot of research has shown that if your life focus on the value you want to get, then you make baby step towards your value that gives you resilience, make you bounce back. We're not serious now. When you really down in the dump, you develop a reason for living, discover the value you want to get. The value could be, I, I, I still have my experience love now. I want to admit, uh, uh, I want to meet a handsome guy like you. Okay. <laughs> or I want to be as successful as so and so and so. So as long as this person imagination, it's fine. As long as they have a, a value, a goal, that is enough to get them to the baby step. Forget it. Yeah, you feel better. That's fine, that's fine, that's fine. Your, your focus is not on your depression. Now your focus on the thing you want to get to make you feel better. The moment you shape, you redirect your focus from 
Oh, I'm so miserable. I don't know. To, ah, I'm so excited if I can get that. See, Frego called that de-reflection. You know what? You, you de-reflect away from your mystery preoccupation to something positive. Something that, yeah, that's why I think to myself because I want to have this possible experience. I still have a bucket list. Do you have a bucket list? Okay, let's let's stay alive. You put you're able to realize one of the bucket lists you have. So I'm being very practical now. I'm not talking about ideas now. The simple things that the possible experience you want to have and the value you want to achieve. Anything at all to get you going. When you get going, then you gradually improve yourself. Then you clarify your goal. So that, that you know, from, from from the minimum, there's something that can make you feel happy or make you feel uh, being liked, being loved. But from minimum level to a more sophisticated level, that's that is a gradual thing. So start with kindergarten. Kindergarten that what do you want in life that make you happy? That kindergarten, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, what do you want to get? So, so, that's why you can kill yourself. Yeah. Doesn't matter what. And then you find something that's most satisfying, right? So start with kindergarten. The pure still still applicable to kindergarten. Yeah. I have, yeah, I like have worked with many, many people from 19, 18 year old to, to, to 70 years old. Mm-hmm. It covers all cases. Another question. So I, I always like saving the, the easiest questions for last. So in your own life. How do you define the meaning of life? My meaning is to bring happiness and meaning to suffering people. That's my life goal. Nice I see myself as, someone, as, a, as a man with sorrow, as a man who used to suffering. So my happiness is to help other people to find meaning and happiness. And is that something that you always felt within yourself or did it take time to, to define that and, and refine what that looks like? It, it comes natural because my, my, my life as a refugee in Hong Kong, as a foreign student, my life is full of many, many sufferings, obstacles. So I'm able to discover some things to help me to overcome. So I want to pass on my knowledge to other people and say, oh, you don't have to be depressed. You don't have to kill yourself. Uh, there's something you should know in order to, no matter how hard life is, in order to live like a, a, a decent human being and in order to succeed, to fulfill your dream, I'm able to make it with God's help. You can too. Yeah. So that is, is still to be natural from my personality, from my experience. And also, I always like to help help people, even if I was little little kid. So it's part of my nature, right? To help people. Well, I think that's such a a wonderfully positive note to, to end the interview on. Again, I really appreciate you taking the time. And I'll include in the show notes and everything a link to your website and uh and all of your online profiles that I'm aware of. Is there anything else specific that you want to mention in terms of yeah. your own work or where people can find yeah. you? Yeah. So one of my dreams is that I want to create a robot that has all my knowledge that if I'm dead, it can still dare to help, help people. So I hope that in your school, we're famous for artificial intelligence and man-computer interaction. I hope someone will be pick up this idea and work with me to develop a robot, Dr. Meaning, that can answer all the questions about meaning. I can talk about meaning for 24 hours with you. <laughs> and answer you any, so nothing I will cover a little bit. Yeah. It scratches you, the surface. Cover all the questions that you have prepared for me, they will kind of bit. I can talk about meaning for two, two days with, with you. So that I want you to develop a robot so that when I'm done, that the data meaning can be will be there to answer to help many people to find meaning in suffering, to find happiness in suffering, how to find hope when they're in despair, how to get out of their dumb and to be a better human being rather than a trash for trash cans, to change the trash to a precious human being. 
You know, that's a beautiful, uh, a beautiful vision. And I, I, I would be very interested in this could, this could definitely be cut out of the interview and the public part. Uh, but I, I would definitely be interested in, in getting a sense of, do you already, cause I know when we were emailing, you mentioned the idea of potentially deep learning or, or, uh, or natural language processing, kind of assessing, uh, and building models based off of existing literature. Do you already have a sense of the kind of the yeah, body yeah, of work? Yeah, but I don't have the technical knowledge. Right? I need to yeah, really, yeah, yeah. I have I, a feeling I can find you some some of the the people with the technical knowledge. You know, and I, it was some funding to work with me to develop something like that, right? Okay. So I'm the funding. I'm just a retired professor, right? Yeah. And is the goal to make it something open source and really easily accessible for everyone, or to make it yeah, like yeah. A, a literable toy that people buy or something like oh, that? Yeah, so, you know, I want to have a system of pure investment, some some money to develop it. It cannot be free. I mean, make it accessible, make it very reasonable. Not, uh, for example, you get an app that people can download for 40, 40, 40 bucks or 80 bucks. I mean, you can spend 40 or 80 bucks to answer all the live questions. That is, that's a precious uh, gift, right? Yeah. That in my lifetime, 50 years of research into something that they can get in for 40 bucks. My session, you people come to see me. $20, pay, they pay me $20 for 50 minutes. Now they get all my wisdom for 40 bucks. Yeah, very, very different form of accessibility. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'll definitely, I'll, I'll ask around for some, because I have some friends who are PhDs in machine learning or who are, are at different, uh, different stages of kind of uh, getting to professorship in that space. So yeah. I, I'll ask around and I'll, I'll follow but up with you on that. If you did do it themselves, then they only funding. I, I provide the brain of the technology part. They provide the technical part with, with partnership. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely follow up with you on that in the new yeah, year. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Nice time. Thank to you so much you. for your time, Paul. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to tune in today. On Meaning is created by me, Eugene Leventhal. You can reach out at onmeaningpod, P O D, at gmail.com. Or you can find me with the handle of OnMeaningPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for now. Special thanks goes out to Michael Butler, who has been lending a helping hand with some things as I've been getting the podcast started. You can also check out our website, OnMeaningPod.com, to learn more information about the podcast or any events that we'll be putting out. Until next time, be well and speak soon. <laughs>